Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Talking Tesla 106. What? Uh, yeah. Really? 106? Is it 106? I think yeah. it's 106. 106. I'm That's starting like, to lose count. It's a lucky number. It's on the page, right? You see that at the top. Where yeah, it but says, I wrote that. <laughs> so, so it could be wrong. Oh, that's it. That's a good point, actually. Could yeah. be wrong. If I, thought, you add... I thought Cece put these things together. I didn't know it was you. I should really start actually, no, checking did. your that's work. That's a lie. She did put it together. But she <laughs> oh. was in Chile drinking wine, so anything could have happened. Credit taker. Mm. No, she... she's Australian, though, so like they drinking wine on other continents. It's like thought... it's sort of in their DNA. Oh, it's just sort of what you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, there. You know, not mm. to insult the Australians, but you people. But you just did. But yes. you people can Drive drink. Back. Because they drink beer. You do two things very well. You drink yes. and you travel the effing world, man. That's true. You guys are everywhere. It's amazing. Yep. You can go. They, there is this question now, like, what is the one organism that can be found all over the planet? Like, from North Pole to South Pole, what is that one organism? And it is... Eschericholi. It, no, it's Australian. <laughs> Australian. You'll find it them is. anywhere. They are. Uh-huh. I've never been anywhere without one. You just trek into the North Pole. You just got there, and there's some Australian there having a beer going, crikey, mate, it's cold. Jeez. It's true. Seen it happen. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, first of all, um, I want to tell you about Alex. And Alex uh, ha- is... A physicist, sort of engineer, who has this fantastic explanation of some of the most important things we talk about all the time about energy and about kilowatt hours. And he does it with lots of allegories to, you know, filling up tanks and just doing, he just makes it reachable. And for our Patreons this week, I've edited it up. It's super slick. And this is a push for being a Patreon. It's so good. Thank you, Alex. I won't say his name because I'll screw it up. But he sounds like Nikola Tesla. I'm just going to tell you that so right now. Two reasons to join Patreon this week. Crush Tom's car. Crush my Crush car. Tom's Crush car. Tom's Crush car. Tom's car. <laughs> and and an interview from Alex. And it's it's really good. But first, before we get into the big news. I just news, wanted to check with you. Yes. You, you said he sounds like Nikola Tesla. Yes. Is that from when you got that autographed picture from Nikola yeah. Tesla? <laughs> it's how I imagine Nikola Tesla <laughs> oh, to be. Exotic, oh. sort of, you know, it's Eastern not when you European, some, just smart. I was just checking because smart. I would actually stand closer to you here in the studio if I knew you had spoken with Nikola Tesla, because uh, I'm really close to Tom right now. Hey, Google, <laughs> what year did Nikola Tesla die? Nikola Tesla died on January 7th, 1943. You could have totally met him. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Really? You're not? I've got the skin age of somebody who's 100 oh, years old, but I'm actually you know what? in my 50s. You know what? My bad. I mean, my mistake. Yeah. I had no, no idea. I no idea. That's 1943, fun. I mean... Well, yeah. 
As we uh, record this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are still recovering from a series of hurricanes here in the Northern Hemisphere. In particular, Puerto Rico has been just destroyed. The eye of the storm went right up the island. And even today, it's estimated that over 50% of the people don't have fresh drinking water. There's still no electricity to most of the island and won't be for weeks to months and maybe even longer. And so the first article we have here is from Teslarati, which says that Tesla is sending over power walls and it's sending over solar panels and it's creating sort of these micro grids. And it brought up a whole bunch of questions about how should um, Puerto Rico redo its uh, failed, basically failed um, national grid, which was $9 billion in debt and just basically got blown away. One of the things that people are talking about is making microgrids. And it turns out that solar panels on uh, various structures are actually really resistant to hurricanes. So uh, Tesla has sent over a series of power walls. Elon Musk himself has sent over $250,000. And uh, what do you think, boys? Uh, should Damn Puerto stuff. Rico change the way they do their power grid because they just had sort of traditional lines above the ground in a place that gets hit by a lot of storms? Is it time for a change? This is this big infrastructure question. Yeah. What do yeah. we do differently now? We know that this is going to be a recurrent event. Well, there, there's multiple facets to this, right? Because you have a humanitarian crisis, obviously. So you want to get the power on as quickly as possible. So does that sort of preclude us having the ability to sort of rethink the power grid. My guess is the rethinking and redesigning of an entire island nation's power grid might take a long time, but I would love for Puerto Rico to become sort of a lab of how these democratization of electricity could take place in some ways, like a lot of different ways to do it. Like, let's get the power back on. Let's get the hospitals up and running. Let's clean the roads. Let's try to get as many of the people uh, back to normalcy as we possibly can. But then let's really think about it because the U.S. is going to be making a big investment because Puerto Rico is part of the U.S. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, but it is it is actually yeah, part of the, the U.S. The people who live in Puerto Rico are United States citizens. Yeah, yeah. Voting rights of United States citizens in Puerto Rico, like the voting rights of residents of other U.S. territories, differ from those of U.S. citizens that live in the 50 states and the District of Columbia. Residents of Puerto Rico and other U.S. territories do not have voting representation in the United States Congress and are not entitled to electoral votes for president. The U.S. Constitution grants congressional voting representation to U.S. states, which Puerto Rico and other U.S. territories are not, specifying that members of Congress shall be elected by direct popular vote and that the president and the vice president shall be a chosen by electors of the states. Puerto Rico is a territory under the sovereignty of the federal government, but is not part of any state nor a state itself. It has been organized, given a measure of self-rule, subject to Congress's plenary powers. Puerto Rico is entitled to a resident commissioner, a delegate who is not allowed to vote on the floor of the House, but can vote on procedural matters and in House committees. In most other U.S. overseas territories, as well as the District of Columbia, a similar representative position is styled delegate. So uh, this week in um, territories, I guess that's this week in congressional matters. I mean, this is one of the reasons why uh, one of the aims for Puerto Rico has been to try and become a state or have more representation in the U.S. government. The same thing goes for Guam, 
the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, the Marianas Islands. These are all places where they ha- they are U.S. citizens, but they lack the same representation. And there is one more place, very significant, that is just like this. It's called Washington, D.C. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The go. city itself is a federal district, not a state without representation. So that's a perfect example. Let's say a gigantic hurricane went through D.C. Would, yeah. we, would we say they're not citizens? <sighs> We say we say Puerto Ricans aren't citizens because we're not smart, <laughs> not because there was a hurricane. <laughs> we just don't know our politics. Well, there's that. I, I think that, you know, the story is a great story. I'm really thumbs up to Elon and Tesla Power for doing the right thing. I think that power walls and sun uh, uh, PV panels are a great way to go, especially in a tropical climate where you've got lots of sun. Um, that will be great going forward. Maybe this is a little cart before the horse because they are in the middle of a disaster still. There's still like 14 out of 60 some odd hospitals that have no power. They're not connected to the grid. They're running on diesel generators and there's like lack of diesel uh, fuel. There's dialysis centers that aren't running full at, at full capacity because they don't have power. It's really uh, an amazing mess. What I've looked at uh, on the news and uh, over the internet, it's a mess. It's a super mess. And, uh, you know, like one of the big cruise ship companies went down there with an empty cruise ship just to pick people up and take them out of there. You know, it would take a lot of cruise ships to evacuate Puerto Rico, but it's really, really bad. It seems to me that um, it makes sense that rapidly deployable energy at a small scale, even a large scale, is solar panels and power walls. You can get them on a boat and go really fast and just deploy them really fast and stick the batteries up and you get a microgrid and you can run a hospital or you can run uh, small devices for people to charge up their CPAP devices or whatever it is. Uh, I can see, get my head around that. I can't get my head around, okay, we have to rebuild an entire electrical system. Yeah. That's going to take forever. But batteries and solar panels can get there fast and start doing something. Yeah, well, and if you're talking about individual singular solar panels on people's roofs, you have inverter installs. There's a whole lot of things, obviously, that that is involved in that aspect of it. I think the good analogy is to consider how, you know, 40 years ago, to get telephones to everybody, you had to run wires all over the place and have power to run those Phones and it took a lot of infrastructure. And now countries for decades, like at least 20 years, are now starting to just bypass the use of wired telephone communications and just putting up cell towers and people buy cell phones. So this is an analogy of how communication has completely changed. And I think we're looking at a situation where the paradigm is going to shift for power as well. More and more people will move towards photovoltaics, battery backup and a smaller, more distributed grid system. And there's a a great article that I think, Tom, you might have thrown in here about rooftop solar stood up to Sandy, Um, or I'm not sure. Yeah, I was curious about whether or not, you know, I never haven't looked into the impacts of solar panels flying around during right. hurricanes and things like that. You so I was think. just kind of curious what what sort of news was out there on how they stood up. Yeah. And they actually stood up really well in Sandy. They've even had certain panels take up like massive hailstorms and have some damage, but they mostly survived. And that Sandy was the huge hurricane Super that hit. Storm. Yeah, that hit uh, New Jersey. Correct. And there were pictures in the article uh, of this one installation on top of like I think it was a ferry or some type of municipal building along the waterfront with it's just covered in solar panels like 
I don't know, hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of solar panels. And there were just a couple of spots on this roof where you could see solar panels were, were uh, I guess, damaged or moved. And it was like the one site at which they saw the most. And they had a couple of experts talk in this article about how durable solar panels are, that they're actually designed. Uh, industry certification standards for solar panels are to withstand 2,400 pascals of pressure. That's the SI unit for pressure. And one uh, pascal is uh, uh, is like a fraction of a PSI. But basically, they're made to... Uh, withstand winds of up to 130 miles per hour. And some of uh, the other uh, manufacturers, so that's like a standard they have to meet. Other manufacturers design them to withstand winds to close to 160 miles per hour, which are huge winds. And, you know, not that many hurricanes get that bad. So if a hurricane comes through and knocks down power lines, uh, knocks down trees into power lines, you're going to lose your power. But if you have solar panels and you have a battery backup system, you're likely to survive without even, as much, you know, inconvenience and discomfort and it, such. And again, even things that hit solar panels, like a tree lands on your solar panel, tech, sometimes that doesn't even break them. They're pretty I think the only thing they're badass. not guaranteed against are golf balls. Mm. Stupid golf balls. Who would, would, play who would hit a golf ball anyway. onto someone's roof? Hey, let's talk about uh, the big announcement. Enough already, because first of all, let me ask you a question. What? Where do you think the center of the universe is? You mean like Which the, universe? Very, the very middle of the universe? The universe is very big. Yeah. You were all expanding. the focus. The focus is where, into one spot. Yeah. Like, where is it all happening? Where? South Australia. Thank you. It's Australia, as it always has been. I that's accurate. Although, we don't know. If Let me ask you this question. This will Go. blow your mind. If the universe is infinite, is not every point technically the center of you the universe? You're totally blowing my mind, man. Did you? Was this your high school conversations when you were high? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. No. That was college. What are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, Australia is the center of the universe right now because Elon's been down there doing some battery stuff and doing some flying to other planets stuff. So he's been flying to other planets on batteries? We're going to get to that. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he went down for the International Aeronautical uh, Congress, and this is an update of what he did last year. Remember last year he says, I'm going to Mars. It's going to be great. And he he showed some pretty pictures. Yeah, that was was in Guadalajara, Mexico. So this has been updated, and let me give you some of the summary points, and then you guys can discuss. So the basis of going to Mars and going to the moon and doing some other stuff is a new rocket called the BFR. What's that stand for? Big Rocket. (laughs) <laughs> know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You know, I love. No, I don't, Mel. What? <laughs> it's big f-ing rocket time. Uh, no, you have to say it like this: big effing rocket, Mel. Big you can't f-ing. use the f word. Yeah, I love Sorry. seeing that acronym in USA Today, New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, all over the world. The yeah. BFR, and I look at people as they read it, and they're like, "Oh, that must stand for something like rocketry, yeah, and something like physics, like," and they don't want to ask the question because i've had this conversation they don't want to ask the question right. so what does bfr but mean? let's but let's be serious about that i actually think that's a bit of a disservice to the whole process because what if you had small seven-year-old children like a little boy who was really interested in science and yeah. followed everything elon yeah. said and he was like what's bfr daddy you like, just say you know what's what? the name of the rocket uh, but what does it mean it's just the name it's like you know it's like Tesla. It's just a, it's just a name. <laughs> no, but, Tesla, Biffer. but Biffer. Tesla's named after a person. No. It's just BFR. BFR. It's named after, I think it's from, uh, was it Wolfenstein uh, where they had the BFR? 
one of those games back in the day. I'm sorry, what nerd alert? Yeah, this is <laughs> Did where you it comes just from. Quote something from was... Wolfenstein's <laughs> Castle. Where do you think Elon got this from? It was from a classic video game, and the big gun to kill the big monster to finish the game was the BFR, big BFG, the big effing gun. I thought it was maybe because when they were in the conference room at SpaceX, ah, we got Falcon 9, it's launching, it's landing, it's great. What's next, Elon? And Elon describes this vision of this multi-engined Raptor rocket, etc. Everybody in the room gets together and says, whoa, that's a big f-ing rocket. So this big rocket... This big rocket, whose name we can't possibly work out what it means, is uh, has got 42 engines. Not it's just engines. New engines. Raptor engines. Raptors. Not the Merlin. That's what's being no, used right now. Yeah, not those little Merlins. It's larger than the Saturn V. It has a cargo area that's the same as an A380. Um, in terms of economies of scale, I said, look, if you make these rockets bigger, then the cost per kilogram of putting stuff into orbit goes down, down, down. They're going to go to Mars in 2020, 2022, somewhere there. 2022. 2022, yes. two rockets. Yes. 2024, 2024, four more rockets. Four more. Total six rockets in four years. Yeah. 2024, two rockets have humans on them. That's that is correct. correct. First two rockets. They have stuff on them. Although, how 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 does the stuff get unloaded on those first two rockets? Robots, AI, yeah, mm. all of those kind of things. Arnold Schwarzenegger. So so imagine a scenario. He's he sends the first two rockets to Mars with a bunch of AI robots, and they set up everything else. And they're like, you know what? No one else can come. <laughs> this we is like our this is our planet. So they say the first one's going to go over there, and they're going to try and do some you know scouting, find the best water to make propellant. And uh, these are, and this is important, he said these are aspirational goals. Last time he just came and said, we're going to send a person to Mars in 2018 and all this stuff. And he's like, I got a lot of criticism for that. This time, These are aspirational goals. This is what we're going to aim for. We may fail, but this is what we're going to try and achieve. He, but, he was always saying 2022. I thought he was saying 2040 originally. Was no, like no, he had no. Early time, he was saying time. 2020, 2022 was going to be the, f- that's why we went over this last week, you know, when Mars and Earth are mm-hmm. in opposition. So 2022 was his plan for the first launch, and he was hoping to get humans up on the next one, 2024. He thinks, like, it's going to take, like, 40 to 100 years to really get a million people on Mars. I mean, he's, you know, that part he didn't talk about anymore. He just showed some cool pictures. Mm-hmm. And how are they going to pay for this um he says that next by cookie next sales. year cookie sales cookie sales he said underwear cookies. sales uh, cookie sales cookie none of these sales. things seem very smart <laughs> but what could be smart is that by next year they will be putting up more rockets than anybody else in the world in fact they'll be putting up more than half of the rocket flights and uh, that will uh, help pay for it yeah so one of the things that this is going to get disjointed at this point you're talking about how many rockets a year there's 60 launches a year he said that's worldwide. Approximately. And all of the companies launching things into and all, all of, the of the countries, everybody. But he's talking about needing to do something like five launches a day when it's that season when Earth and Mars are close together. So to actually get one of these BFRs to Mars, you have to launch it first, the BFR. Then you have to launch like four or five supply ships full of fuel to pack the, the thing up there 
full of fuel. And so this is launch, land, repeat over and over. And you've got a very narrow window, like a few months narrow window to get all of this done. That's going to require a really fast turnaround time for launches. And that's part of what he's showing and talking about in this video. It's not only just making the Raptor engine. It's not only making the BFR. It's not, you know, it's the whole process from soup to nuts has to be ramped up and developed and there's some pretty cool stuff that he said. I mean, this was one of the most aspirational space talks that I think he's given. I don't know if you want to talk more about it. But. Yeah, let's go into some of the further details about how big this thing and what all that means. I mean, it's so big that it can go up there and basically gobble up old satellites that are in the way. Yeah, so he says that their plan, and they've already started to, they've ordered the equipment for the start of the build of the of the BFR. They've be, they've already made the Raptor engine. They've tested it like 42 times. They say it's reliable. They've gotten good thrust out of it. They've been dialing it up, getting the pressures within the rocket engine higher and higher to make it so that it can reach the thrust that's necessary to push big, heavy loads up. They said they're going to build up a um, like a stock of Falcon 9s, of Dragon capsules, and then they're going to stop building that. And they're going to turn all their efforts towards building the BFR. So they're going to start ramping up the production of the Raptor engine. And that engine is a pretty amazing engine. It's the most powerful engine. It's running on this methane-oxygen combination, which has not really been used much in the past for big rockets going up into space. Uh, they've already uh, ordered the equipment and the tooling to make the big main tanks. And I don't know if you remember seeing that big black round sort of carbon fiber tank. Mm. This is a big uh, sort of impediment to making rockets this size is how you pressurize and store all that fuel. And they've gotten successful with that already. He sort of started at the beginning of his presentation exploding one of them, which was pretty cool. Yeah, they pushed, pushed, pushed so much fuel into it. They mm -hmm. wanted to see at what point it would yeah. explode. What and was it looked its like, fail rate? It looked like a big balloon that it went poop, did, yeah. pop. It was big and full and lovely. They're going to start building the first BFR in second quarter of 2018. Are they building it here and moving it to Canaveral? So that was one of the problems. You know, Falcon 9 is as big as it is because it is the largest size of a like a tubish, you know, tube sort of thing that they can put on a truck and get through it's, underpasses. It's, it's tubish. It's tubish. So the tubishness of the Falcon 9 maxes out the transport through our intercontinental highway system. So they're going to have to build this either in Texas near their new launch site mm -hmm. or in Florida near that launch site. Uh, my guess, Texas. My guess, uh, they will build it somewhere like here, the main components, and then take it over there and do assembly. No, uh, did you not? Were you not listening to yeah, the no, gentleman? But, just but now? You, you don't have to make one big tube at once. You, you can do. You can do them together. No, you, no, you, you have, have to. to make actually one have to make... big giant tube at yeah, once. No, it that's has, upsetting. It has to, because they use this spinning, uh, high, super high speed rotating welding device to bring the edges of the aluminum together. And once you've done that, it's done. You you got a big big rocket and you can't, <laughs> can't move it say that. they can make the engines here <laughs> yeah, that's what but they have to make the, exactly. big but the big other thing carbon else. fiber exploding no, no, bit no no that's the tank yeah so that's different that can they build to, that here? No. Can they build something they here? Might something the engines. We just talked about yeah, that. Yeah, but I want They I can want build the big. engines. They can build some of the internal components and move them. But why would you 
instead of just building it all in one well, place. Well, because the real they got a nice is, where rocket is... factory down the road here. Why would you build another rocket factory? Yeah, because factory that's the only to... rocket factory in the entire country, right? Is the one <laughs> in <world>. Hawthorne. <laughs> it's right there. It's cool. It's near us. I want to see it. I'm saying build it here because I want to go see it. So they're they're transitioning to this Raptor engine, which is a big change. That means that no longer will they be using RPG, which is rocket propellant grade kerosene. They're not going to be using that anymore. They're going to start using methane, right? So they're going to come to Mel's house yes. for a constant supply. Yes, they're uh, not using those on the Falcon 9s, though. No, the they're heavies. not. So once they transition to the Raptor, they're going to transition fuel source completely. And Elon explained that you can make methane from CO2 in the atmosphere and uh, water using this Sabatier reaction and lots and lots and lots and lots of solar panels. So this mm-hmm. can be a less carbon uh, emitting process. If you're pulling the carbon out of the atmosphere, you don't have to use the carbon that's that black stuff in the ground. That mm-hmm. uh, He mentioned that the propulsive landings, right, that's what we've been watching Falcon 9 do over and over and over again, have gotten to be so precise, they won't need legs on the rockets. Mm-hmm. They will just bring the rocket down to a landing site that has a cuff, and boom, the rocket lands. Period. Like when, a plane lands. When he I, said that, I thought, okay, maybe, but still put legs on it anyway. Yeah. Just little legs. Just I saw legs. some renderings of it sitting on legs on Mars. On Mars, maybe, because there's no cuff on Mars for it to land you can't on. build a cuff? So now they got two different designs, cuff and no cuff? Cuff and no cuff. Cuff cuffless. And no cuff. cuffless. Cuffless. Oh, yeah, so the another, one, another cuffless landing by you know, SpaceX. Today, they make Falcon 9s with and without landing legs because there are missions that go into polar orbit that is so high up they can't re-land mm-hmm. the booster. It's yeah. out of gas. So they just splash it down. So the P, the BFR payload can be huge. So just numbers. The, the payload bay of the BFR is eight stories tall. And it can fit nine of the original Falcon 1 rockets inside of it. Inside, I mean, it's, Mel. You can put them in there. You can take them with you to Mars and just shoot Falcon 9s off while you're there. He showed, like, some designs where they had cabins in the cargo area. Where yeah. They could take, like, they'd have 40 cabins that could sleep, you know, two or even as many as five people at a time. I don't want to be on the economy version of that for, like, Six months, five people in a little cabin. I would... No, but he said he thought it would be about two per yeah. two per cabin. Yeah, you wouldn't want to dump your quarter million or half million dollars to go to Mars in some really, really Somebody's going to show up at Mars six months pregnant. I'm just telling you that right now. That. <laughs> and we're going to find out the effects of gestating in space. And it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to eat people. But go on. The Delta Wing. So they've added a Delta Wing to it, which is new. It's got some kind of split flap system. And I mm-hmm. thought, that's weird. He always talks about you don't need to do this because you're not you're going in space, you're going to Mars, there's not enough atmosphere to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And then there was something bigger at this the end. This is where he lost it. me a little bit, to be honest with you. Yeah. He was like, Well, what if I want to land on another planet? Hey, hey, buddy, hey, focus. Let's get to a planet. Well, he's looking for ways to make money, but one last thing he did say was that this whole business of automatic rendezvous and docking, they have been developing with the uh, Dragon capsule, right? So they're going repeatedly to the space station. But every time they get the Dragon capsule up near to the space station, they have to stop. And the space station has to reach out with that Canadian arm, grab the How you capsule, here, and bring here. it in. You know why? No. Because 
things in space can go crashy crash. Oh, crashy boomy boom. And there was, you know, that uh, there's that podcast, uh, what is it called? Curious Droid. And he does a piece on what happens when you crash in space. And you know what? It's really bad. Why? So they had like some Russian space station that was up in space. Yes. And they were trying to do some sort of a uh, early docking system. And there were some political problems and like money didn't get paid to the company that developed the docking system. So they tried to do it just by sight, like looking out from little corners of the their space station and stuff. And they crashed a supply capsule into the space station and ripped off a bunch of the solar panels and popped a hole in it. And they had to evacuate. There was an evacuation process. So you don't want any of that to happen. But SpaceX is connected to Tesla. And you know what? I know Tom might say differently, but autopilot's pretty freaking good. Pretty freaking good. I came here. We're having a lovely conversation right now. I came here almost the whole way on autopilot. Man, that was sweet. Autopilot one. But you weren't trying to dick in Mm -hmm. space. I don't know how we got here. That's true. So they're using the same types of technology to dock in space. And their plan with the BFR, of course, is to be able to have automatic, automatic rendezvous, docking, and transfer of propellant. That's explosive. Did you see how they were going to do the propellant transfer? I thought that was pretty darn cool. Oh, yeah. The sort of like insects mating. So like, yeah, they back up to each other, the two backs, the fueling vessel and the regular vessel, and they they link together, and then they just rotate so the fuel is on the top. I don't know if there is a top in space. And then the fuel just drips into the other one. You mean like away from Earth? And then gravity sure, I, of Earth pulls it into the other rocket. I don't, I don't know how that works, to be completely honest with you. It depends on how high you are, right, where the gravitational aspects of at that the, are. Uh, there are other bodies in space that have gravitational... At the height we're talking about, the Earth has significant gravitational pull. Significant or insignificant? Very significant. For, for sure significant. Yeah, like, I like the sound effects, by the way. Live, doing, live sound design by Mel Herbert over doing, there. It's I'm not distracting that. at all when I'm trying to have a conversation. He showed one last or one great slide where he showed all of the major rockets for... Uh, Ever. For, Forever. Launching into near-Earth orbit and deep space. And they were like small to really big. And BFR was the biggest, the most powerful. And then... Well, it would almost have to be based on its name, correct? Yes. BFR, the biggest. It's the biggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the effiest. And so uh, <laughs> he then said, but when it comes to cost per kilogram launched into space, they re-sorted uh, this this uh, slide of rockets. It becomes the cheapest. As long as you can reuse them. Absolutely. That is Based key. on reusability. Yeah. So very exciting. Very exciting. SpaceX put it all online. Yes. And you, you can watch SpaceX.com. it. And if you're into the space... You should watch it. You should watch it even if you're not into the space because it is pretty cool overall plan. And then yeah. he pulled something extra. an Apple. Yes. He pulled a Steve Jobs. Yes. He pulled a, a one more thing out of his pocket. Yes. And what did you guys think of that? So let's describe what he does. So he does this whole thing, and it's a little bit disjointed. It's a bit here and there, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. And then he goes, oh, and by the way. Yeah. Why should we just do this on to the moon or to the space station or to the Marses when this would be a really cool way to get around, I don't know, Earth? Earth. So then you take your BFR, you fire it up, you all, everybody hops on and you fire it up and you go at 18,000 miles an hour and you go over from, say, LA to Sydney in 25 minutes, for example. Um, and so he said this could be 
the new way of transporting, the rapid transport which we've been hoping for, to truly bring the world together as a as a small community. We can go anywhere in the world in less than an hour. Most flights would be less than 30 minutes. This is, uh, wow. Excuse me. I don't think LA to Sydney was actually on the list because I'm looking at the list right here. L.A. to London, 24 minutes, I there believe. You go. Okay. Yeah. 32 minutes. Please uh, don't pass this out too much because the point is it's fast. <laughs> uh, it wasn't actually 32 minutes. It was 34, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, the flight is going to be delayed by two minutes. So the idea is that you do the same sort of thing that we've just talked about. You go into a low Earth orbit and you go really fast and then you come back down. So this is exciting. This is amazing. This is science fiction. And there's a really great Wired magazine article that says this. All hail Elon Musk. First of his name, King of the Martians and of the first mole men. Uh, projector of tubes, the unabated breaker of industries, father of dragons, and now maybe uniter of the seven continents. <laughs> this is very well written. <laughs> so it's like, this is a great idea. And they talked to a person called Olds is his name, saying, well, there's some downsides to this, though. It's, no. the- it's theoretically possible, but yeah. just consider this. First of all, what about the crushing G-forces when you take off and land? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, spacemen can do that, but grandma's not going to be able to do that. Thank you very much. I don't want to go to London with grandma in 24 minutes. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. That's the only way to go to London really? is 24 minutes with Yeah, grandma. no, it would be great, but I don't want grandma to get crushed. She's going to get yeah, crushed by, by the, the G-forces. G-forces. I mean, or How about taking your infant? I, have your a, I got a pneumo, and I'm going to hit on a rocket with massive G-forces. That doesn't sound good. It's bad. Now, weightlessness is going to be a problem, but that could be an upside you like. And, and oh, on this yeah. flight, for like 20 minutes, you get to float around like spacemen. So that's not a downside. The sonic booms are bad, though. Uh, they are going to be some boomy boomy because this thing is going to leave and re-enter quite quickly. So that's going to be a problem. Yeah, it goes fast. So you're going to have to do it offshore, right? Uh-huh. And that's why the renderings that they showed were sort of you take a little boat out to the rocket that's offshore and then you go. So as long as you don't live in the middle of the country, you can get to these places quickly. It'll take you longer to get from, say, Iowa to the ocean spaceport Uh than it will to get you to Johannesburg after said trip to spaceport. So you have to add to that amazing 24 minutes um, the time it takes to get there. So maybe you have to get on a boat and you're in New York and it's best case scenario. You have to take a boat like an hour out to go there. So it's not going to be 24 minutes. That's a bit of uh, hocus pocus. But then this olds guy says, you know, the, really the way to do this is just super fast supersonic planes. Yeah. But you got to take that with a bit of grain and salt because he's a guy that makes supersonic fast planes. So of course he's not going to like Elon's idea. Right. But I definitely see the points. The crushing G-forces on the way up, and mm-hmm. when the big rocket comes and has to stop, uh, that's a lot of braking. I uh, I actually put out a tweet offering uh, the advice that, you know, Zofran, that's an anti-vomiting medicine on Dance Tron, should probably be part of your ticket. Like maybe you tear off a corner of the ticket, and it's like a little tab, and you just <laughs> <laughs> my, that is my favorite named medication, by the way, yeah. on Dancetron. On I Dance. think it should be like a TV show. And, and uh, Welcome Blitzen, to On Dancetron. And Blitzen. And, and, then, uh, and also barf bags. You know, barf bags work in airplanes. They're great if you need one. But in space, yeah, yeah. they're not so effective. So yeah. I offered to help him design, you know, the SpaceX barf bag to get things going, you know, to make sure that they're prepared when it comes time for grandma Vamu. to get on the BFR. There's not even enough time Vacuum for based. like drink service. No drink service. Mm-mm. You got to get you know, drunk on the boat out to the spaceport, man. How, how am I going to kind of work on my laptop? Or what if I want to put You're, my book down for a moment and go take a leak? You can't. Not. Well, yeah. this, this is what one of the, some of the book. 
Velcro so, book. <laughs> hey, there's a whole Belkin's got a whole new like line gosh. they can develop. Yeah. yeah, people were saying silly things like that. Well, business people are not going to be able to do work on the planet. It's 24 minutes. <laughs> what Sit you, down. Like my ring is bothering me. I take my ring off for a moment and then it's gone. But it'll make wearables that much more effective, right? Because they won't be floating around. So you'll have your Apple Watch if you wanted to like send a text. True. So this all sounded good to me until I actually read stuff like this. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. There's a reason why. You can't. This do isn't going to happen tomorrow. This yeah, isn't going to happen. You know, so why did he bring this up? Was he serious or was this just like, oh, and theoretically you could do these things if you're like a 25-year-old astronaut, you could go from – why? Well, why, I think why for him he's probably looking at it as this, is this another possible revenue stream for me? Or is there a group of folks who would love and, – and, and there's a long list. Robert gave us a list of like 50 things, right? But – of 50 places you could go from and to, right? But there's yeah. a probably seven or eight routes on this planet that people want to take a lot and would love to take very quickly and might be willing to pay a premium to do that. Yeah, like how about Sydney to London in 51 minutes? Yeah, I think that would be great. I think the queen would love to see all of her places in 15 minutes. She'll die. <laughs> yeah, There's so. going to be another queen, though. You <laughs> know true. that, right? A younger queen. Like, she's not the last... Like queen ever. You know, when you're the doctor on the BFR heading from like Los Angeles to Johannesburg and they say, is there a doctor on board? Because some man who's like 50 years old just went unconscious and you realize that how many people have berry aneurysms, these little aneurysms in their brain that we usually don't even know about until something really dramatic happens and BFR is pretty dramatic. And now I'm out. I'm out again. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> I was like just about getting. Remember the first time we talked about this Mars thing? I'm like going to Mars is dumb. I got pretty excited about potentially going to Mars, <laughs> and Robert has killed any hope that I would be going to Mars. So yeah, this is revenue stream. He talked about the BFR can put enormous satellites into space, and even groups of satellites in the space. You send up one rocket with like nine satellites in it. That's pretty amazing. So you could do the entire Iridium. In one trip, Probably so. Exactly. He said that it can carry a, a satellite that's up to nine meters in diameter. So that's nine times. He said they could put a space telescope out there with the yeah. mirror nine times bigger than Hubble. That's amazing. Hubble's made some amazing images of the universe. They don't have to send as many resupply missions to the International Space Station. He put up a picture, an artist rendering of this BFR docking to the space station, and it made the space station look pretty puny. <laughs> it looked silly, actually. <laughs> he said you could get to the moon if you put the BFR in a in a um, elliptical, high elliptical orbit. Then you refuel it. You could send that to the moon with a lot of stuff in it. And bring it back without having to refuel on the moon. What kind of stuff? Like toxic like, waste? Like a moon base. Like could we send our garbage to the moon? Alpha Alpha One moon base. And then, of he course— He was angry about the moon. Yeah. He's like, Why? it's 2017. Really? We need a moon base already. Come on. Do yeah. we? Yes, we do. How about this? Maybe we need better education for everyone. I think uh, that that, that is a straw man comparison. You can do both. You can have moon bases this? and space travel, and you can have good education. Okay. How about this? I'm a I'm a I'm a student. You can be educated on the. You're moon. a doctor. Well, I'm going to think back to like when I was in All high right. school. All right. I was a student, mm -hmm. and things like Star Trek kind of inspired me. Yeah. To kind of be interested in the sciences, and what if we have no science 
significant science things really not like no moon mission plan no mars mission plan mm-hmm. and then all of it and, and the kids are in school and they're like well, i don't know science i think i'll study something else mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we have this amazing vision mm-hmm. inspiring how many more people will study harder learn more and become more accomplished in the sciences just from this imagined imaginated Imaginated. Imaginated. Imagined. Uh, maybe they should take grammar classes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to throw that so out there. I would summarize so it another way. The the And this is what Ellen gets very excited about. The trickle-down science effects of these giant things like getting to the moon are enormous. Um, and so what you learn here, the technologies you learn here, the... The science trickle down is quite enormous. So it's really hard to put that in economic terms. This is very expensive, but he's not even talking about you and I paying for it. He's talking about right. just private industry. They're yeah. going to pay for it because they want their satellites up there. I'll put mm-hmm. them up there. And as while I'm doing that, I'm going to work on my big rocket. So this is not even like this is a tax question. Oh, I don't want my taxes to go up to go to the stupid moon. Right. Right. This is just him doing it through private funds, which is not something that we've even thought about before. The yeah. moon mission was incredibly expensive and a lot of people were against it. Although I wonder how many of those people after it was done were against it. But this isn't your tax dollars we're even talking right. about. That's it's amazing. True. You know, we got Velcro and cellular phones out of moon missions. We got nonstick pans. Yes. Oh. We got GPS. Yes. GPS pretty good. We got a lot of good stuff. Yeah. We got Long pictures list. of the moon. We did. We did get pictures we of the got, moon. We uh, got we really refined the ability to do poopy in space, which is big. We got those flags that don't need wind. Yeah. To stick out. That's right. We got uh, astronaut ice cream. Oh, that's delicious. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so keeping with the space theme, in Auckland, no, was it in Auckland? It was in Auckland, the conference. Don't point at him. He's I thought it was in South Australia, mate. Six, Adelaide. Oh, Adelaide. It was the other A. Auckland's in New Zealand. You're it's right. not even in the same country. But it's an A. How you know, and sometimes you. I get a little uh, mixed up Americans on letters. You <laughs> My apologies to everybody in the Southern Hemisphere. wow. Lockheed Martin uh, sort of, quote, trumped SpaceX. Don't use that word. I know, but that's what the title of this article from smh.com. I can't remember what the website was called. Smuch. Smuch. Smelly Mel Lockheed Martin presented its Mars plan, the Sydney Morning Herald. Thank you, Tom. And uh, they presented their Mars plan. And I don't know. I put this in a little late because I've been working all weekend. But there's a video in this article mm-hmm. that is super cool. They did a great job. And they showed sort of this stepwise mission to get us to Mars, mm-hmm. but not really ever on Mars. We never go to Mars. We stay in a Mars base camp, which orbits Mars. But their sort of stepwise approach to getting to Mars seems really cool, too. And I wonder how much did SpaceX kind of push them to make this sort of but they aspirational just get, video. But they just get close to Mars. Well, what yeah. is the point of that? I was going to say, can I do a Tom? Uh, why? <laughs> You're right there. It's just there. It's down there. Why don't you take the next step and go down there? Hey, would you guys like to go uh, really close to an amazing thing? But not quite into it. Yeah. Well, so again, they're a lot more conservative and they see humans in this orbiting space mm-hmm. uh, base mm-hmm. somewhere in the like 2030s. Mm-hmm. 
they showed like humans going to Mars's moons for like mining. It's a little more sort of commercial oriented. Mm-hmm. And after reading, you know, in through the Mars series, Red Mars, Green Mars, mm-hmm. not yet Blue Mars, you know, mining is going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. These places are, you know, you can pollute the hell out of them <laughs> and nobody is there to see it. Oh, yeah. that's so, crazy. you know, there are some folks out there who they just see dollar signs when they think about going to these heavenly bodies. So moving on to Tesla. Model 3s, they're -hmm. starting to move the Model 3s out east. And so there's a video online. It's from Electric, or should I say... No, Electric! Showing uh, people in the Gigafactory getting their test drives, which is what I reported happening at the Sentinella Service Center a couple weeks back. And they're giggling and laughing and loving their Model 3s. So the Model 3s are continuing to roll out. I just saw a tweet last night... It was from two days ago of a Model 3 delivered that's uh, vehicle ID number in the high 400s. So they're coming out. They're maybe not 1,500 at this point, but they are coming out. That's a lot more than 50. That's Tom. very correct. 400 yes. is much more than 50. It's, it's not, not an order of magnitude. No, it is not. We, do, we keep saying this week after week after week that uh, it is amazing how they've kept a lid on how many they've actually produced. At some point, they're going to have to come out and say, we've made 500. Well, we've I can 600. tell you when that is sometimes going to be. The quarterly It'll report? be that quarterly earnings call, though. Somebody will ask the question and he'll have to give guidance, yeah. as it were, whether or not they met guidance or over achieved the guidance. And I just popped onto Tesla's website, Q3 2017 reporting date. Please stay tuned, as date has not yet been set. We're trying to work on the numbers a bit. So somebody found something very interesting oh, on the oh, Tesla oh, website. Oh, oh, I did. I did. Another tweet I got. I, I don't credit this to everybody, and so I apologize out there for scamming you, but you did tweet me about this. Thank you. This is a new page on the Tesla.com website. And if you click on it, it goes to like tesla.com forward, uh, forward slash semi or no truck forward slash truck. Forward slash truck. Yeah. And it's got that like ghostly headlight lit front view of their semi. And it just says 10.26.17 says no more. It's just in pure Tesla fashion. A teaser. You can't really get to it from the main Tesla website. You have to do the forward slash truck. So again, there's not a link that I saw from the front page, but if you do tesla.com forward slash truck, you can see a truck and the date. In silhouette. But you know, let me ask you a question. Do you give a crap? No. Of course I do. Six months ago, did you care about, boy, I really hope somebody comes up with a really nice looking semi-trailer. Yes. Yes. I didn't. Didn't think about it. I look at this and I'm like. But that looks like an incredible machine. But we've talked about the electrification of the trucks and the autonomous trucks, so. right? Many, many times on this where we talked about autonomous trucks would hopefully free up the, the, the traffic yeah, corridors and stuff view, like that. But right? I guess I'm, I'm, I'm explaining, I'm sort of expressing the wrong emotion. I look at this picture of this truck and I go, oh, my God, that is science fiction. That is beautiful. I want a semi-trailer. Well, see, that part of it is weird. <laughs> see, that part of it is weird to me, right? Because visually, it looks like a truck. Like, it it's does. a truck. Visually, it's it not... looks fantastic. It's got it's uh, a truck. curves and... It's, it's a truck. It's a I mean, truck, trucks are beautiful, yeah. really, in themselves. Like, I've always been a little bit fascinated with semi-tractor trailer parts because they have, like, 
apartments in the back of them, right? They're massive. People can live. I've always been like, what is happening back there? I really want to know. I've never, I've never been in like the living quarters of a semi truck. The most shocking thing tight. that I learned about semi trucks in the last few months yeah. is that they don't have stick shifts. They're not, not like anymore. 75 gears. They're all automatic. I'm like, I can yeah. drive a truck. Like 15 Clear. gears. I yeah. wouldn't want to have to reverse a truck into anything, but truck drivers are amazing. Yeah, no, just drivers. to be able to fit those things yeah. where they put them. Incredible. Unbelievable. I drove one in a parking lot once when I was like a teenager. Yeah. A couple of friends of mine and I befriended a truck driver. Stole a truck. Who used to come and park kind <laughs> of in our neighborhood to sleep every so often. And whenever he yeah. would, we'd come up and steal his truck. Knock on his door. Hey, Joe, are you in there? Are you in there, Joe, Joe? And he'd let us in. And one time he let us each try and start the truck. You know, by grinding down his gears, oh. maybe his, you know, at the end of his lease, and it didn't really matter so much. Yeah. I don't think so. Sorry, Joe. But well, it was really scary and cool. And I agree, Tom. And I say, I should say, I agree, Mel. It would be cool to have an electric semi tractor <laughs> trailer, but be so cool. it's just less You should carbon. get one. Less carbon. Yeah, it's what? probably only going to be a million dollars. You should be a long haul trucker, Mel. Yeah, maybe I will in my retirement years. Yeah, you just drive just the country. See the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, I grew up on a farm, and we had uh-huh. a lot of semis, and it was exact experience you were talking about. It's these giant gear shifts, and and it took like a week to get going. And if anybody got in front of you, it took a week to stop. And he says this is going to drive like a sports car. Yeah. I want to see this thing whipping around on October twenty sixth, ladies and gentlemen, boys oh, I and be girls. There. Where is the event in Fremont? Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Oh, it's local. It's, it's very local. local. So we could we could do the like fence and grab thing. Yeah. And stare through and the stand fence. Stand outside mm-hmm. the fence. Like. Maybe we could just like parachute in. No. No. There's a there's an airport right there. I don't exactly. Think you can, I don't there's some sort of FAA regulations about parachuting into things near airports. Robert, okay. can you drive your car, electric car, coast to coast? Is it possible? I have gone halfway. I've gone to Boulder, Colorado. About halfway. I was gonna say that's not halfway. Well, it felt like it was. I bet it did. Yeah, I bet it did. But you know what? I can. But unfortunately, other EVs cannot. And this is a piece from Cars.com that caught my eye because it shows an actual map where they went on the... <laughs> an actual map. An no. actual not map. A, not a Not map. a hypothetical map or just a map. Just it's a map. not just Maybe, maybe call map. it a, a quote actual map, Robert. <laughs> He got this off actualmaps.com. <laughs> it's like a really good graphic. It has a map of the United States, and it shows the mean route across the United States, mm-hmm. which is like I-70. And it shows how many recharging stations, like fast recharging stations there are along the way. And basically, Tesla is the only one can do it because there's many places where there is one, three, six, only that many fast charging stations in big open gaps. And they talk about how all the other car manufacturers can't really do it. This article really doesn't have a whole lot of points to it. But the bottom line is that I found is that no other car manufacturer can send their EVs coast to coast in any kind of a timely, you know, reasonable, doable fashion. And does that really matter? Do we really do that many cross-country drives? I don't know that we do that many cross-country drives. But, and I was listening to last week's show. But we do a lot of 500-mile drives, 600-mile mm-hmm. drives, 900-mile drives, things like that. California to Utah, California yes. to Colorado, as you said. Yeah. Uh, 
Grand uh, other places to yeah. other places as well, like New York to people from from the upper Northeast drive down south. Like going people to Florida, the, right? People in the Midwest, like my cousins drive Florida. from Chicago to South Dakota. So there are a lot of those types of drives sure. yeah. that actually are aren't super fun without a Tesla either. And I've driven. Let's. You know, I've driven to San Francisco in the S Model 60. Yes. And it's not super fun. Yes. Either because even with supercharging, kind of got to stop three times Mm -hmm. for longer probably than you would want to. Because I like to make that run pretty quickly in a gas vehicle. You can just haul ass. But, you know, getting better, I'm hoping in my Model 3 I'll be able to make that run much better. There is a certainly a marketing, even though most people will live their entire lives and not drive across the United States or any country as big as that, but it is good for marketing to yes. say, and now you can drive across the country in your electric car on our supercharger network. Marketing yeah. done. Boom. Now, you'll never actually do that, but it's like me. Uh, there's supercharged everywhere. I don't actually use them that much, but it's good to know they're there. It's good to know I could drive yeah. across the country if I wanted to. Well, it's again, it's really good to know you could drive 600 miles in a reasonable amount of time. Like, to me, that's actually way more important than driving across the country. Those four and 500-mile runs, L.A. to San Francisco, L.A. What was L.A. to Tucson? You talked about LA your— to Phoenix. Your, yeah, it's like uh, 400 and something miles. Your grandpa wanting yeah. to drive there and, and not being able to, right? You can't do that in a Bolt. You can't do that easily in a Bolt. In a Tesla, easy. So he, he would have to find the a CCS charger between here and its Phoenix— Phoenix. Right, between here and Phoenix, and he'd have to stop for at least an hour and a half, maybe longer, if he if he could make it on one one, one stop. One fill up, yeah. How many miles is it, do you know? It's 440 or something, so theoretically he could drive halfway and fill up and keep going. But yeah. yeah, it's a pain in the butt, and a supercharger network, not a problem. So the main thing I get from this is... Hello? Is this thing on? Is this thing on? To municipalities and states... And the federal government and legacy car makers do something about your fast charging systems. There aren't enough. There are barely enough Tesla fast charging systems, and that's yeah. all being done by a individual small car manufacturer. Right. So why is it a call out to municipalities and the federal government to do it? Why can't the if if Tesla did it as a no as a non market cap company for the most part why can't a company like chevy who's a big market cap company the the problem is is it's the fear factor and again we talked about this last week so i don't know that we want to go into it super in depth but there's a big investment in that aspect of it when you're not sure of your clear vision right tesla from the very beginning clear vision. I want to build these long range cars that you can use for these long hops and I'm going to make it possible. The supercharger may have actually been in some ways Tesla's marketing it, budget. Hey, yeah. Is it boring to people in there? Hey out there, is this boring to you? We get we we seem to have this revelation like every other week. It's not a revelation, but I think the more we dive deep into it, the more we realize this is the key. The well, supercharger network is the defining characteristic of the Tesla, at least as important as the speed and the sexiness and the, how good the car is. The supercharger network made this company. They got it before we did. And even if it's psychological only, that's super important. I don't – well, so why I'm saying uh, big government is that who built the interstate highway system? 
the interstate highway system. I think uh, Bob and I uh, thought it was Jim Inter- Jim Interstate. Isn't that why <laughs> they called it the interstate highway system? No, Thomas Elder Interstate, Tesla Interstate. So What's that whole highway system was built, and that was an explosion for the car manufacturers. They could now sell cars that people would drive from Dallas to Houston or from Denver to Los Angeles because there was a big, reliable, easy-to-travel interstate highway system. Mm. The legacy car manufacturers, I still don't expect that they are going to do jack when it comes to a charging system. I just don't think so. We are literally subsidizing them. By providing roads onto which people can put their cars while Tesla goes the extra mile or extra hundreds of miles producing its own fueling system. So what you're saying is we're subsidizing the highway system. Yes. But the highway system is about commerce in a lot of ways. It was about military to begin with. And then we're subsidizing the oil and gas industries in a lot of ways. Are we? (laughs) It's a rhetorical question. Oh, I was like. Oh, has he not been paying attention? Uh, <laughs> and but Tesla, in and of itself, is getting subsidies as well. Let's not let's not sort of candy coat over the fact that it's gotten a lot of people to buy cars based on subsidies. It's made hundreds of millions of dollars, I would assume, at this point. Actually, I don't know what the total number of it, money they've gotten from those carb credits that yeah. they've spent. It's probably quite a bit, though. Yeah. So the point is, again, uh, when I talk to people about getting a real car, a car that can do the 99.9%, it's a Tesla. Yeah. And this is what always yeah. comes back. I have these great discussions with people about, oh, this is a good electric car, and that's a good electric car, and that's a good electric car. And then the end, my summary point, but if you want the car that can do basically everything like Tom and I need to drive to Oregon, then it's only going to happen once every yeah. now and then, but it's Tesla. And that's only going to be a Tesla right. for as far forward as I can see. And just to remember back, it was September 24th, 2012. When they unveiled the supercharger system. That all being said, that can't be the only way that this electrifying of transportation changes. Because I think you mentioned something last week as well where you talked about having just the J1772s everywhere gives people a lot more comfort in driving and buying an electric car for their city use. Again, if you're most people park their cars more than they use their cars. True. So if you can have a consistent, reliable place to plug your car in, you're mm-hmm. going to be more comfortable even with a leaf, an older leaf at 80 miles of range or or something that only has 10 or 12 miles of range. If you can know you can go that 12 miles and plug it in. The problem is even those cars, like the Volt itself that that I just bought, it takes like four or five hours even on a level two charger to recharge, that has to change, in exactly. my opinion. Yes, absolutely. In the brave new world, you're going to have a little electric car that's very cheap. You drive around all day, and then when you do have to drive to Oregon or you do have to do five, 600 miles, you'll just get an Uber Tesla. Exactly. And that's also part on of the, the network. Plan. And like, oh, well, I need to do this. Somebody else is going to drive me on Test Loop or somebody. I'm just going to pay the bucks. Test Loop. So let us move on. Here we go. BMW 530e was announced. It's a performance version of the BMW famous 5 Series, 500 Series. It's a a quick, a peppy car. Very interesting sounding. It's a hybrid, so it has some gasoline in it. And they have now developed a drive-on-top-of inductive charger that they're putting out. It's actually pretty cool. I I give them props for this. It's a 13.3-amp 
240 volt circuit, which allows you to charge their uh, smallish battery uh, in just a matter of a, like three hours. And uh, one thing that was cool, that, you know, so I said this is not going to be a Tesla killer, right? Because it uses gas. So they got to drop that kind of nomenclature. But what's cool is they gave this, uh, this uh, statistic, which I have not yet seen, carbon dioxide per kilometer rating. 44 grams per kilometer. I'd like to see how they get that and if we can actually reliably use that for other cars so that we can get to the point where we, you know, if I run my Tesla off of my solar panels or the supercharger network, what becomes my carbon dioxide per kilometer rating? That would depend more on its overall lifespan in that sense, right? Well, I guess, I, again, I don't know how they calculate this. If it's simply like, here's how much carbon dioxide comes from the burning of gasoline at X efficiency. Mm-hmm. But if they take into account the carbon dioxide in the creation of the seats and the tires and mm-hmm. the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, that's what I would, I'm interested. So wide open calculation. I'm interested in this, like, what is the most efficient way to get from point A to B, point B? And I've been working on a Patreon. It won't be in for a few weeks. But it turns about you'll be very interested to uh, know what is the most efficient way to get from point A to point from B. From a, a fuel standpoint? From a, yeah, total energy use of fuel. got to be walking. It's not, because that's what I thought, and that's not even close. I will, ah, Patreons, it's coming up, and then I'll share it with you all I later. wish it was a horse. Let us I'd move like on, because we horses. already talked about the fact that Toyota and Mazda are developing a new car company. We already talked about that. Did we? Yeah. But let's talk about Australia again, because it's the center of the known Australia, universe. Australia, Australia, Australia. This is from Teslarati, and we had our man on seed, Brad Clark, mate. Brad, Brad. Brad got a press pass for this baby because he was with Talking Tesla. Thank you, Brad. So Brad went to the battery reveal in South Australia where they said, da-da, here is your sort of uh, your backup battery for South Australia. Mm-hmm. It's about half done. And Elon did a little talky talk about a 12-minute talk that Brad recorded for us. And the man that's helped us deliver that is the chief executive of Tesla, Elon Musk. Hi, everybody. Hey. All right, well, thanks, thanks for coming out. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a drive. Um, so, um, um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, well, first of all, Tez is incredibly honored to be able to do this project for South Australia and to work with South Australia to, uh, to create something that's a world-leading um, battery installation. This is... Um, yeah, I mean, when I when I came here, I actually, even though I realized it, I didn't I didn't quite appreciate the fact that that was actually just a piece of dirt, uh, <laughs> a couple months ago. Um, it looks sort of like it's was has been there for a while, but but there was literally nothing there two months ago. Um, so it's quite remarkable. Um, and uh, I'd just like to say a word of appreciation to the, to the Tesla team who've worked uh, night and day. Um, uh, with, with the with the, the Australian government and local utilities and Nguyen and, uh, and everyone uh, to really pull off a miracle um, to have a battery installation which already uh, it's not it's not fully done yet but the, um, it's sort of at roughly the 50 megawatt level uh, but to have that done in two months um, is is really pretty pretty mind blowing um, and so I mean I. I, I I mean, you can't you can't remodel your kitchen typically in that period of time. So um, it's like, you know, um, 
a pretty incredible job by a lot of hardworking, talented people. Um, oh, it's, and and um, you can see here, of course, the, for, uh, there's still a long way to go. Uh, everything, uh, the vast majority of the world is still fossil fuel powered. And uh, this, is, this is really just the beginning. But I think what this serves as is, is a great example to the rest of the world of what can be done. So when this is, when this is done, which will be in, in just a few months, uh, it'll, it'll be uh, the, the largest uh, battery installation by, as measured by power by a factor of three in the world. So that's like pretty mind-blowing. But there's still a long, hell of a long way to go. So and we sort of need to do something about this. Um, you can sort of see the CO2 levels sort of bubble along, and then it looks like a wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it's very important that we take action and take action now. Um, and uh, really, time matters. It matters whether we make the transition to sustainable energy in five years, 10 years, 20 years. It really is going to make, make, a, make a difference. Um, we're doing everything we can to, to accelerate it. Um, and, and by working um, with uh, people like Jane's team, uh, that, that really, really enable us, enables us to happen, and with your support as well. Thank, thank you. Right. So as, um, as you guys know, this, a year ago, the, the situation was pretty dire. Um, yeah, <laughs> your first-hand, first-hand account. Uh, it was, that reason, it's, I was like, why is it so dark? It's because, it's because there wasn't any electricity. <laughs> Yeah, so, so now there will be. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the, one, one tweet leads to another. <laughs> and pretty soon, <laughs> pretty soon, that. <laughs> so yeah, so Mike, um, I saw this on, um, on Twitter. It's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can, next day, by the way, can we do that? Um, yeah, exactly. Now it's 280 out here. It's like Sorry. even more trouble. <laughs> so um, uh, only a couple, it was only a couple months ago that we met and made the announcement uh, for the deal. And you know, so a couple months ago, none of this was here, and it was just an announcement. Uh, but talk is cheap. Um, action is difficult. Um, and what we, the, the, the reason we want to work as hard as we possibly could and, and get, it, get as much done as possible was to show that it's not just talk, it's reality. Um, and in fact, everything that you see here, this whole event, everything, is powered by those packs. Right now. So there are, there are, there are no generators. There's, this, is, this is all literally energy coming from that system over there. That used to be that dirt pile. <laughs> and you can sort of get a sense for the progress that was made over time. I find these wind, wind um, mills quite amazing. Yeah, and that's where we are today. Yeah. This is the actual power flow. Of something, of something. Hornsdale power flow. Um, 
You, you can get this on your phone. And there's like a phone app for it. And so um, then in a few months, we'll be finished with the whole system and uh, be delivering a 400 megawatts to South Australia. So, um, if people sometimes wonder, well, how scalable, how, how scalable is the system? I mean, how much solar power do you really need uh, to power Australia? And, um, and then how much battery pack space do you need? It's actually re- remarkably tiny. Um, do you see that sort of that red square? Is, that's the amount of solar, solar area that you need to power all of Australia. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it, it's, about, it's about a tenth the area of Sydney. Just like, well, Sydney's you know, pretty big, but, but still, it's, it's really, I think it's about nine pixels on the, on the map there. Um, and we were going to put the size of the battery pack, but it's, it's way smaller than one pixel. So it's only seven kilometers, square kilometers of batteries. Is this happening? It will. It will. It will. Yeah. It will. I mean, I mean, another way to think of it is sort of like, it's like satellites. The satellites, there are you know, thousands of satellites going around Earth, and they're all powered with batteries and solar, all of them. Um, and there, there's, there's some that have been up there for 20 or 30 years with zero maintenance. You, you can't send a repair person to go up and you know, repair a satellite at 36,000 kilometers. Um, so they're designed to just work for 20, 30 years with no maintenance. And, and really, Earth, Earth, Earth is itself a satellite. It's a satellite of the sun. And so it's pretty obvious that uh, if, if, if small satellites can be solar and battery-powered, then big ones can too. There's no scalability constraint. Um, but I think people sometimes don't, they aren't quite sure, well, how big is it actually... And I just want to show it's, it's really not. It's like quite small um, and, um, and very doable. And that's, that's, that, that is actually what the future will look like. And the faster we get there, the better. Yeah. 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 And there's really just there's, there's three parts to it. You got to sort of collect the energy from the sun, store it because the sun doesn't shine um, at night, and, uh, and then... Uh, charge electric cars for transport. And that, it's, that's it, really. Um, well, um, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for driving so far. And I hope you enjoy your night and enjoy it. <laughs> and I so, so very much appreciate your support. And it's because of the support of people like you that we're able to actually get this stuff done. So thank you. It's half done, but half operational at the same time. The no, I think that's pack. the same. It's just they put no, it's 50, half finished, but operational. It's operational, oh, but they're going to add another yeah. 50 they, megawatts. They ran this party off of the uh, yeah. power pack completely. That's what they do. Yeah. Power pack party. It's kind of cool. There's a uh, time-lapse uh, movie of them laying the concrete and dropping down the power packs and wiring it up. It's really quick. Um, there was a couple of videos online of the actual presentation, but they've all been taken down. down. But so we have audio. You're only going to hear it 
on Talking, Talking Tests. Brad, thank you very much. Brad also sent us some really nice pictures from the event and from outside. So. I'm going to put them on my Twitter feed. Yeah, very cool. So let's talk about superchargers then. Uh, well, actually, we should go back. What did he say there? He didn't really say much new in this presentation, as you've just heard. It was uh, more that we can do this very quick, mm-hmm. and we did this very quick. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much. Now, I don't know what the bet was about. Was the bet turn some batteries on? No, no, no. The bet isn't. It doesn't end till December. That was the part that was very confusing about this article because I read it, and they talked about the September 29th thing was when they signed the 100 days, so they had 100 more days from then to do it. Very, very confusing. I don't know when the contract was actually signed. My guess is that was done as sort of a, ooh, look, 100 days, where can we do it? But they they set the actual deal up so it would be successful, right? It, it wasn't this thing that Elon was going to fail at. He was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to be there on the 29th. That's when we'll sign the papers. Let's see what I can get done by then. And then I'll have another 100 days. That That's what I think is going on here. Regardless, that's pretty amazing. This thing is pretty cool. This is going to be step one in a lot more of these things. People are going to see this. They're going to see that it's successful. It's tied to a wind farm. It can be tied to a solar farm, a combo farm. We could have these in Indio. We have a lot of wind out there. We could get rid of all of those really ugly power lines, transmission lines, and have a whole new way to do this stuff. Yeah, so it's it's operating at the 50 megawatt level now, and it's planned for 100 megawatts. You know, there's not a lot of details that you can derive when two billionaires have a Twitter war back and forth or a Twitter, you know, exchange back and forth. They don't hash out the details. So this brings me back to the last, quote, biggest End quote. The second biggest. The second. Now the second biggest. Currently the first biggest because the other one isn't fully operational. That's right. But this one. So this is uh, powering through Southern California Edison, the Mira Loma site, which has to do with the leaking methane gas up here in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. 80 megawatt hours. So they're almost as big as that, soon to eclipse it. And then how big will the next one, the next biggest one be? I wonder. How big do they need to be? I guess the question is, wouldn't it be better to have a bunch of these hundreds all over the place for redundant Well, these usage? are for very specific uses. Sort right. of to, to Peaker plants. Peaker, sort of like peaker plants. But I see the future of this is not these giant battery installs in particular places to run all of Los Angeles. It would be massive. It's to have batteries in every house, to have batteries in every yeah. building, to distribute it. I think that's where we're going for that type of energy. But yes. it could also take the place of like in Los Angeles when you drive around, there are literally substations all over the place. All of those could turn into these in for to be in place for disasters, inevitable earthquake type disasters that are much easier, quicker to get back online potentially than and, and also to just stabilize the grid. Yeah. Because the grid is a, a, very, you know, yeah. millisecond by millisecond, it is fluctuating all over the place. And you can use these batteries to smooth that all out and probably take a good deal of load off of the infrastructure, the grid itself. Yeah. So, I'm excited. So Elon's shown that you can do little batteries in your house, and now he's shown you can do big batteries. Uh, but again, as a number of people have pointed out, this is not about having enough battery for all of South Australia. This is infinitesimal compared to how much they would need. Yeah. This is to actually just smooth things out when you've got a fluctuating grid. Mm-hmm. This can turn on instantly, turn off instantly. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I this want to talk about This charges me up, man. This so charges me up. I'm getting a little excited about supercharges because last week... Robert had just like a trillion supercharger 
uh, you know, that were coming, that were permitted, that were out. Right. And this one looks like it's even bigger. Yeah, last week was the biggest. This is a week of biggest, you know. And last week, I thought we had the biggest supercharger report with 36. And this week, we have 42 new superchargers on the report. So let me go through it quickly. Newly opened superchargers. Mel, are you ready? Go. 20. Woohoo! We got three in the United States, three Thank in you. the United Kingdom, two in Norway, three in Australia, including the ones that allowed all our friends in Australia to get to the battery reveal. We've got two in China, Belgium, Finland, Italy, Japan, Spain, Switzerland. They're all over the place. And then construction, 12 entering construction, seven in the United States, two in Austria, Spain, Sweden, the United Kingdom, and then 10 entering permit stage. So these are all going to be done by the end of the year. Six in the U.S., two in Quebec, Austria, Finland. This is amazing. I'm so excited. It includes another one uh, here. Uh, it's included in the uh, the permitted is Santa Clarita, California, Mel. That's really close by. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good This one inside. Being on the list kind of bummed me out because I actually had a little bit of inside information about <gasps> this one that I was hoping to be able to bring to the table, but it's already on the table. So I happen to know somebody who knows somebody who works for the city of Santa Clarita, and they were in these negotiations for Tesla. And what he told me was they're in negotiations to bring a dealership. So what I'm going to say to you is maybe what we're talking about is a service center mm. potentially in the Santa Clarita area. Area might be in the works as of right now. You heard it here potentially first if it happens. But this would be great for me because there aren't a lot of car chargers. I do curling in Santa Clarita. Right. So I drive the Tesla up there. And That's... I had to plug in one day and I needed – it was about six miles from the rink. Mm. And it was at a police station actually. They had two chargers right in front of a police station. Yes. So I parked it there. and then, your car is safe there. Uh, and then I drove over to the – yeah, the thing I but got a like, ride over to the. It link. was just a J seventeen seventy two. It was, so. but I got enough to get home. I yeah. literally showed up in Santa Clarita with like two miles. That's a dedicated curler, thou yeah, art. Thou art dedicated, especially when you're carrying around those heavy stones. Yeah, we don't carry the stones. So let me move on. Arecibo. Arecibo is an amazing antenna. It's a ginormous radio telescope. It's actually in a depression in the mountains. They strung all of this like. Um, cyclone fencing into a big um, sort of a dish shape. It is a dish shape. And they suspended above it all of these antennas. And it is the second, now second largest radio telescope in the world. And it's used to send signals into space. They they famously sent uh, a, a signal to like a place where they expect there could be life and it's like 50,000 light years away. So it take a little while for the message to get there. 50,000 years. Yeah. And uh, it was featured in the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. Good movie. One of, in fact, Excellent media movie. pick. Media pick from 1992. Uh, and so this ginormous telescope, unfortunately, got battered during the hurricane. One of the big uh, radio uh, receivers fell off of its like suspended uh, platform and crashed through the mesh of the actual telescope. The actual grounds have not gotten that damaged. In fact, it's being used now as a refuge for people who live in the area and staff who got kind of stuck up there. But unfortunately, uh, hurricanes don't spare science in their ravagings. That's upsetting. 
Yeah. Toyota, you know, they're, they're not on the forefront of electric vehicles. They're not on the forefront of autonomous vehicles like Tesla, at least. But they have now created a self-driving car that has two steering wheels. And it says here, quote, to prevent robot joyriding. So it's a really interesting picture. It's a car with two steering wheels, and it's all about autonomous driving. And it makes no sense to me at all. Because they're saying, well, we're testing autonomous driving. That's mm-hmm. why we need new st- two steering wheels. Like, what are you talking they're about? They're testing not having somebody in the driver's seat. But wh- I don't understand that part no of it sense. either, honestly. Because Just sit in the driver's seat. Don't use a steering wheel. And then if you need to use a steering wheel, grab right. the steering wheel. So they've got two steering wheels. One, uh, it may it just makes be, no sense. It may be, you know, attached to the car slightly different in a slightly different manner. But I'm with you. I don't really understand it. Although, it's kind of cool. I wish I had this uh, when I was teaching my my daughter had to drive. Yeah, I think they should be in every car. Yes, they should be in every car so that I can take over when I get scared. This is from The Verge, and it was sort of like, I kind of like it. I want to be a bigger story, but to me, it really isn't. It just is like another example of a big lumbering vehicle manufacturer not pushing the envelope like Tesla. So let's get into letters, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I want to remind you again that Alex has this fine letter, audio letter that's going to go in for the Patreons. One of the things I will state here, though, is that we were talking about whether charging up your electric car increases the mass. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, no, it doesn't charge up the mass. You're basically moving mm-hmm. the electrons from one side of the battery over to the other side of the battery. It doesn't change the mass. Think of it sort of like lifting your car up. If you lift your car up, you've actually given it a whole bunch of energy, potential energy. Mm-hmm. But the mass of the car hasn't changed. So he'd explain some of these concepts that you can charge up your car, you can move a long way, but the mass hasn't actually changed. Darren Arthur wants to talk about the, the uh, Tesla unveil event. Darren says he, ha- he needs one more referral to get a VIP event to the semi-truck reveal. And he wants to give us those tickets. I'm not sure they're transferable, but... I don't think they are. We've tried this many times. I'm sorry, but it was a great offer because yeah, he I says he's in the UK and he doesn't want to spend the bucks to come all the way out here. Of course, he could have watched it or heard about it mm-hmm. firsthand, or is it secondhand, on Talking Tesla. But as of yet, we have not been invited. Mm-mm. Hello, is this thing on? David Warner has a letter here. It says, you guys, you've been a new source of humor in my life. Humor? In my case, humor heals. Years ago, I liked the Nerdist podcast, but lately it's degraded into listening to spoiled brats complain about the first world problems. Your show, episode 105 today, made me laugh out loud five times in a 30-minute period. And I'm only three quarters of the way through it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you heard it here first. We're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we've stopped whining as much as we used to whine. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yes. Costa Checkles. Is that right? Costa Checkles says, look, uh, he really, really wants to see Tom's car get crashed. <laughs> Who doesn't? Crushed. So he is uh, going to be a Patreon. Tom, tell us again. What, what was your plan here with the car? Go on. Tell us. 50 Patreons. We're getting... We've probably had a few, 50 Patreons in the next month, 50 so new like, Patreons. So that it's been one week. Right, so that's only a buck a month. Yeah. I don't know. So we have like know. three more weeks yeah. to get like another 45 Patreons. Right. Yeah. And, and and I will attempt, I will try my hardest, I will try to find a place around here that will crush my vehicle and we'll and record, we'll it. record it. And if you don't. I've got two sledgehammers. I, I looked in the garage. I confirmed. I have yeah. two sledgehammers. One's kind of small. Mm-hmm. That's so, not happening, Robert. It's not. That's not option number two. But you said crush. Right, but you don't. First off, you don't crush with 
uh, sledgehammers. Then what am I going to do? I'm going to have a car undrive. <laughs> this is going to be like urban blight. Wait, no, that's not how this crush. is working. No, we're going to crush the car professionally. Get rid of it. Uh, if we get 50 more patrons, otherwise, I don't know. You just won't see it. Okay. Okay. Wait, can I try one thing? Oh, sure. From like, you know, Beverly Hills cop when he shoves the banana into the, Uh into the tailpipe. Yeah. I've always wanted to try that. Yeah, sure. We can do that. Maybe we'll try a potato. Maybe we'll try the potato. This is getting very exciting. Now, Costa also said, you know, this is actually an an issue. You've got an older car. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could get some money for it. You could put it, sort of sell it to somebody. Mm -hmm. But these generally older cars are way more inefficient. They're they're just horrible for the environment. At what point should you be doing Tom's to your ice car, not selling it to the person who really needs a really cheap car because they have no money? Versus crushing it. It's a difficult thing. I don't want to take away really cheap cars from people who need really cheap cars, but we need really cheap electric cars so that we can go crush all of these really inefficient ice cars. You know, I don't know that much about hashtags. In fact, they kind of make me curious, but I started a hashtag. It's called hashtag crush Tom's car. Yeah. And anybody using it? <laughs> I don't know, but maybe we can start now and yeah, like, we'll get this out. wave going. Hashtag. He really is excited about seeing my car crushed. Ian oh, Abercrombie and Finch. Uh, says, every time. Every time. Every it's single not funny. time. No. <laughs> we have to stop doing things like, how old is the show? <laughs> but you can continue with Abercrombie and Fitch, which, by the way, was never funny. No. I'll, I will admit one thing. <laughs> that joke is so lame. <laughs> Yet I continued to do it. He's like, uh, he wants to explain something to it. A gigawatt is power, and it's always instantaneous. A gigawatt hour is energy, and it's simply the amount of energy used if you create a gigawatt for one hour. It is, of course, the same for megawatt, and kilowatt versus megawatt, and gigawatt, and all the stuff. And again, Alex is going to go through this in excruciatingly good detail, and I think I understood it, but I have to listen to it a couple more times. But only for the Patreon. Oh, there you go. John Sheen says, hey, first of all, Mel, can you screw up my name? I don't know if that's right. Probably screwed it up. <laughs> he said, I want an early token for the solar roof. Do you want it? That's pretty cool. But Ooh. the problem is, again, I think these are no, all non No, you can transfer that. You can. What? I promise you can what? transfer it. You can't have mine. John is going to hook you up. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, John, uh, because I'm getting a new roof on very soon, it won't happen. They won't have these fast enough. So I thank you so very much. But give it to somebody else because I am I have to build this stupid structure out here. How long is it going to be? Uh, breaking ground probably in a week. Mm-hmm. Speaking of referrals, Laney9300 is my <laughs> referral code. In case you were wondering. You know, there hasn't been a referral program announced to go past the end of October, so no. we're kind of winding down. That's okay. Lock in another referral and I can get one of those sweet Tesla home charging things. Oh, yeah. That would be, be good, pretty too. pretty baller. Robert3177. Laney9300. David Furling. <laughs> I think that's where he's from. He's up now hour north of Toronto, and he was talking about the solar summer versus winter thing. And he was saying, okay, your situation, Mel, where you make a third the amount of energy in the winter that you do in the summer is a bit of a bummer. But let me show you my numbers, my friend, which is in the winter, he can go to zero. Because there's not much sun and there's some snow and it's a bit of a bummer. His thing goes from, in June, 1,400 kilowatt hours in December to 9,700 watt hours. <laughs> that's not even a kilowatt uh, that's hour. That's enough I for a uh, light bulb. That's like one order of magnitude less than a <laughs> kilowatt hour. Stop with the so magnitude order. There are certainly places where uh, this is a problem. And if you wanted to live on solar all year, 
uh-huh. in the Toronto, uh-huh. you'd have to save a lot of summer energy. Here's my idea. I thought, like, we could get you a battery, but okay. it's going to have to be massive and it's too expensive. And where would you put it? So I've got this idea. It's mm-hmm. going back in time. We've talked about this in the past. Here's what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to put your home uh-huh. on hydraulics. Okay. And in the summer, we're going to pump your home up. It's very heavy. We're going to push it up with all the excess solar uh-huh. energy. And then for the rest of the year, the house is going to slowly come down. It's going to spin a flywheel or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's going to give you energy. The problem is going to be that if the kids step out of the back door at the beginning or the end of summer when it's at its highest, you're never going to see me. Okay? <laughs> this, this reminds your me of another. Your plan is terrible, by the way. Another movie that's on my media pick list, Up. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit like Up. I uh, love that movie, by the way. John Main says uh, this. Uh, something about campers. Can somebody explain this to me? Yeah, he wanted to know, will you be able to do camper mode in the Model 3? Because he saw the size of the trunk in that thing. And if you fold those back seats down, right. you could theoretically lay down there. My guess is in the Model S or in the new Model X with the fold flat uh, center row of seats, you could... Lay them all flat, put a little mattress out there, and then have a sleep in your in your car, turning it into, Mel, a camper. Yes. So there's a lot of pictures of uh, particularly one guy in the Model S who does this, and it looks like a luxurious big place to sleep. Yeah. The X with the fold-down seats would be luxurious. Model 3 could be luxurious. We'll see. Well, but you'd have that thing, the, the back panel yeah. situation in your view. Yeah, so the Model S is perfect for car camping. If you drop your seats, your back, your back seats, push your front seats all the way forward, uh, with a little ingenuity, a little MacGyvering, you can stick a, tw- a double, uh, no, I'm sorry, yeah, a double uh, air mattress in the back, and a person who's over six feet tall can sleep comfortably. A friend of mine, Rob, has done that. He actually took a 60 all around the United States, his is one of the Tesla stories. If you go on the Tesla owners, you know, experience website, it's one of the early ones. And he, you know, MacGyvered a way to do it. And then recently, and I was going to probably put this on a show coming up. I, I've been in contact with a fellow named Chris Kolja. He's from like uh, Eastern Europe area. And he's developed this clamshell Tesla mattress device that makes it like really idiot proof. Uh, very easy and uh, convenient to turn your Tesla into a camper. It's pretty sweet. Zombie apocalypse vehicle. Hey, Mel, it's idiot-proof. You should get one. (laughs) (laughs) It's upsetting, but David Post says this. Look, you guys have been talking about heated seats and how that's more efficient in cold climates, and that's all fine, Mm -hmm. Uh, but let me tell you one thing that I'm concerned about. Are we really going to talk about this? He's worried about (laughs) his jiggly bits. What? No, Um, can we not call them that? You're a doctor. Let's call him his reproductive organs. His nether region bits. Oh, oh, yeah, that's better. That uh, his uh, testicles on the warm seats are going to be warmed up so much (laughs) Uh that he's going to reduce his spermatozoa production. Uh Then there'll be less English and I say this is actually a positive thing. This has been Elon's plan the whole time. You it's think not it about was... electrifying the world. It's about getting warmed heats into enough cars that there'll be significantly less people in the years ahead. So this is... This, the master plan. This plays into my Elon is a supervillain plan because he's trying to castrate all of us with heated seats? Not, yes. You know, this is it. I bought no. in, 19, in 2002, I bought a... Volkswagen Passat, the safest car of the year when mm-hmm. my son was just a few years old. Mm-hmm. And guess what it had? Heated seats. Heated seats. And guess what? You have not had another child. It's true. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> it's not Elon doing this. Oh. It's, it's a worldwide conspiracy. It's oh. been going for a hundred years. It's from, uh, it's like a, there was like the Freemasons. They got together in a big oh room and God. they said, you know what? We're going to invent heated seats that will control population. You people are ridiculous. I don't even know why we have these lines of questioning. Sean McHugh said this, Mel, uh, you are a bad person. So when you go to these oh new big Tesla supercharger stations and you have your big Tesla lounge, please do not put up stupid CNN or anything else, I don't want to see that. He didn't specifically call out CNN. He said the news in general. The news in general. He just wants to see cool drone footage of Model 3s going up mountains and gigafactories and things that make him happy I would like to see the the original Planet Earth series with David Attenborough or Richard Attenborough just on a loop. Those are cool. Is it David or Richard? I don't remember. It's one of them. I think it's David. It's not the Richard. Sigourney Weaver version. Only. Yeah, Richard is a director. Okay. A, um, I think so. And so I was thinking this would be an awesome thing. Like you go to these Tesla massive supercharger places. They have their own building. And you could have an area in which you just put on a VR headset and you're on Mars. And you're looking around and you're on the surface of Mars. And so your kids could put on the VR headsets, which you get, you know, you put your Tesla key over to like a little locker thing. It unlocks it for you. They know who is taking the headset. You put on the headset and you walk around or maybe it's just something you put your phone into and then it's disposable. Walking around it says with Tesla. a VR headset on is a very bad idea. <laughs> In a safe place while your car is charging, you know, and I thought that would be fantastic. What a cool idea. Or some other, you know, Tesla cool, like, you know, innovation that is tech. That can I is... just have like a sandwich and a chair? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Oh, you can have a yeah, headset. Paul Boyd has a picture of his Tesla and it says, I was sick Hi, for a week and my Tesla must be mad at me, but I don't understand what this picture shows. It shows, it shows either that it has <laughs> got some air coming out of its tire. Oh. That's the little thing oh. at the very top. That's the indicator that your tire is low. Or uh, the 287 something or others. I don't Dude, know. Look at the energy off. pattern. There's a finger. He's getting the burn oh. from his car. Oh. Holy Oh, oh, so that was okay, too subtle. So for the me. little gauge next oh. to the Tesla, at the oh. the little I'm gonna wave, tweet this out. The this, little waveform oh is, like is the middle finger, finger, which actually is super thematic to this show because Robert has dropped the f bomb. I don't even know how many times. Oh, so that was I, way too I will put this up at, at R R O S E N B L. That's my Twitter feed. Now for I'll sure, put up there. people are going to think he's the smart one. Jason Holman is a concern. Oh now God. he loves his seven-year-old, but his seven-year-old did a bad thing and opened the door when the car was driving, and uh, it sort of destroyed the the door. He should not have parked his. I blame him. He parked his car in a garage. Mm. What's no, wrong? No, I don't that? blame. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. I'm so just kidding. So he wants to know what's the latest with the the bodywork on Tesla's taking forever to get fixed, and I say to you, Paul. Uh, sorry, Jason. Um, Paul Jason? Jason no, Paul? Not Jason Paul. <laughs> oh, I say, we're going to find out how long this takes because you're going to tell us that's, in the next few weeks. That's one less take. Patreon supporter we now have. <laughs> oh, Sorry, Jason. That's I told bum. him not to park his car in a garage and you called him Paul. No, oh, well, it happens. Steve Thane. Really? Thane. Thane. Steve Thane. <laughs> that's not that difficult. Just a thought. Okay. Would the surprise at the semi-event be a mm-hmm. Tesla RV or camper van, mm-hmm. as we call it in the UK? And I say, oh, I hope so. How cool would it be to have a fully electric 
RV, solar panels on the top. You're cruising around. You're seeing the United States. You're seeing the United Kingdoms. It would be so cool. One of those big coaches. Basically using the same kind of engines. Yeah, bet one of those big giant. Because those coaches, I don't know if you gentlemen have ever watched any of those America's Greatest RV shows. Those things can be a million bucks. People yeah. spend a lot of money on those giant they uh, burn bus coaches. Buttload. Uh-huh. Of fuel, they do. But he's thinking they have that Cummings engines in them. Most of them, Mel, you may have heard of that. Cummings, yes. yeah, we talked about Cummings. Mm-hmm. So he says that maybe that will be part of the quote extra, extra. from the Tesla the truck semi reveal. The one more thing, as it were. He also notes that he was excited to see that the Telford supercharger looked like it was almost ready to be turned mm-hmm. on, and in fact, it was one of the UK superchargers I just reported about. Nice. There you go. And he also says he has a Nissan Leaf, and despite our uh, musings about the leaf he's driven his a lot and uh, the battery is holding up quite well yeah so that's good there was just the first generation leaf problem with their batteries and they, they seem to have improved it um joe larner yeah says uh, these movies you've been talking about cowspiracy and what the health these uh, movies that say eating meat is bad 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 and it's global warming and it's bad and it's bad and he's suggesting that uh, that may not be true. These are very propaganda movies. These are by people who basically want you to be vegan for other reasons. And he says that uh, it's not true that um, eating beef really re- makes greenhouse gases worse. But I, carbon I don't dioxide. know. I'm not an expert. I want to read more about it. But everybody that I've read said it is bad because they're taking carbon from one form, converting it to methane. That methane gets farted out by the cows. And that uh-huh. is far more damaging than just sort of carbon that's sequestered in leafy things. Right. Well, the other part about it is is that they're taking down a lot of rainforest in places like Brazil, which is sequestering a lot of carbon, a lot more carbons being sequestered in a tree. And they're clearing this rainforest a lot of times through burning of it. So there are a lot of different factors that go into it. Uh, I agree that those films are animal cruelty propaganda. You know what? If that's a reason why you don't eat meat, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to be cruel to animals in my opinion. That's true. And and this reminded me of a tweet that I saw from Jim Harris. There's a little infographic, maybe we'll be able to get this into the show notes, that shows the staggering amount of water that's used in producing protein. A so lot. cows, 2,500 gallons of protein for one, I'm sorry, 2,500 gallons of water to produce one pound of protein. Right. If you go to pigs, it's 800 gallons. Chickens, 567 Guess what has the least amount of water consumption to produce one pound of protein? Crickets. Have you ever eaten a cricket? Uh, I have. Only by accident. I have. We did this on one of our other shows, and it was the same thing. It was during our water crisis here, and we got cricket protein bars, and we actually ate them. How were they? Like most protein bars... Not that good. But they're, so they're like but on they're par. par. On yeah, they're par. on right. par with crappy protein bars. I think we should do that be, next week. And it would be difficult to replace all of the Earth's protein needs without animal protein. Difficult, but not impossible. There's well, a lot of protein. crickets are animal. Well, for sure. Insect, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but the other thing that's not on here, which I'd be interested in, because we all sort of take these snippets of information, and so I think this is, means we need to be more globally educated. I know that almonds, for example, a lot of people eat almonds and they're vegetarians and it's almonds. Almonds Almonds are incredibly resource intense when it comes to water. In fact, they've sucked the middle of of Southern California dry. Almonds are bad too. Yeah, the Central Valley is so committed to almonds because they make money, but they suck a ton of water. One concern from one of our 
uh, ambassadors mm-hmm. of Talking Tesla, Joel Sapp. Yeah. He also put in a tweet that he, he would miss the crunchiness of a fried chicken drumstick if it was made right, right, out right. of crickets. So the one thing that to, to that you can take away from this is as humans, we have an impact on our environment in one way or the other. So if we can, as much as possible, mitigate that, that would be ideal. And and the problem is, is a, pe- a lot of people in the first world have a much greater impact per capita oh, yeah. than people not in the first world. And so if everybody lived like us, that would be problematic. So yes. we have to bring ourselves back while other people get to bring themselves up. And that is sort of what the overriding flow of what we talk about here should be. So maybe crickets for one dinner a week. Sure. I mean, or one a month. I don't know. It doesn't have to be crickets. Felipe Ferens says, look, uh, there's these Aussies that are trying to drive all the way around Australia on uh, electricity, and I need to spend some more time reading about this. Australia is a huge country. Is it? It's the same size as the continental US. Mm. 22-ish million people versus 350 million people. Infrastructure in some parts of that, hard. So I'm interested to see if they can actually pull this off. That'd be exciting. Now, a lot of people, Ross Harrison and William Brown Vlogs and others have noticed that Dyson, the um, people who make fans Mm -hmm. and And vacuum vacuum cleaners, cleaners, are going to make electric vehicles. And there's a bunch of articles about this. So Mr. Dyson, I guess it is. It is Sir James Dyson. Sir James Dyson says, we're going to get into EVs. And it's so funny because I was walking yesterday through Costco going to get, I don't know, some almonds (laughs) and uh, some beef. (laughs) And I walked past the Dyson... Fan people, I'm uh-huh. like, really? They're going to go from fans to electric vehicles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's can got, they do it? He's got 400 people working on this, and uh, they've been doing it secretly for the last two years in Malmesbury, Wiltshire. And William Brown vlogs, who says that Dyson, who makes vacuum cleaners, are going to make cars, and they're probably going to suck. Oh, Bazinga! Oh! <laughs> Max Hedron, I like to call him. Max Headroom <laughs> says, how do you convince your wife that you should get a Model 3? And I say you do this. You say, look, um, we're going to save the planet here. You're never going to go to the gas station. It's going to be the nicest car in the world. Please get on it. Please. It took please, everything please, I had please. to keep my wife from buying an X. I know. You were on the exact opposite. Wow. Yeah. The X came out. It's $100,000. And Tom's like, we're not buying this. And his wife's like, yes, we are. No, we're not. Yes, we are. So it goes both ways. This is like another Tesla yeah. pro tip. I had to convince my wife when I wanted to buy a Tesla for myself, and this was a bone of contention, we had never bought a car this expensive. It was three times more than any car we'd ever bought. Yeah. So uh, I went on to the Tesla forums, and I read, and I read compulsively, like I kind of still do. And uh, all these wizened Tesla owners said, this is how you get your spouse on board. And I've said this before on the show, but it's worth repeating. You take them a test drive. Right, but let's not say wife, let's say spouse, spouse. because it does go both ways. Let's it does. not make it a gender-based thing. There are lots of of people on both sides. There's a lot of people who love big 4x4 four four trucks of both genders, and there's a lot of people who like cute little efficient electric cars on both genders and really expensive Italian sports cars in both genders. So my only advice is when you take your spouse to go test drive a Tesla, uh-huh. make sure you let the, the person at the you know test drive, the Tesla person, say, uh, please, can you switch it out of 100 P100D ludicrous mode? Because I just don't want to have to spend that much. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, don't do that. I uh, took, you know, again, it's all about test driving. If you're really trying to convince somebody to buy an electric car, it's such a different experience, you really have to drive it. So I had my son's um, cross-country team. They did really well this weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I drove them home in the S. And we're just sort of doing normal acceleration onto the freeway and stuff. And every one of them, to a man and a woman, were like, oh, my gosh, it's so smooth and it's so quiet. What's going on here? I'm like, the future. (laughs) <laughs> the future. <laughs> it's not the future, Mel. It's the present. It's true. Ross Harrison says that, uh, you know, there's some interesting <laughs> wait, stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Can you go back? Can you say that again? Ross Harrison. Harry. Where's the second N? Or any N? Harry. Well, when Harrison. you put two R's there next to each other. Ross Harrison. <laughs> you put two R's next to each other, they look like an M. <laughs> it's uh, not there. He didn't say Ross Hammerson. <laughs> Ross says he's from the UK and there's some interesting green stuff going on there. Like their grid is getting greener and greener all the time. Mm-hmm. One of the things that stuck out of me in this article that he sent is that they try and predict a couple of days ahead what's going to happen with the windy winds and the uh, solar solar. And so they send out a little tweet to you, a little message saying, hey, uh, for the next two days, it's going to be really sunny. There's going to be a lot of excess energy. Why don't you do all those things that need electricity? Charge up your car, uh, wash your clothes, do all that stuff. Because the next couple of days after that, it's not going to be as much. So they're managing proactively energy usage, and I thought this is interesting. I don't know how extrapolatable it is, but it's pretty cool. Okay, all your electric car owners, going to be really sunny tomorrow. Charge them up tomorrow, and perhaps not charge them up on Wednesday. I don't want my government telling me what I have to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can elect to do it or not do it. I'm just saying that here in the UKs, they're doing fun here things. Here in the UKs? <laughs> Here in the UKs. Well, Ross Why is in the UK. Why do we have to end this show like Ross with is just in the UK. lunacy and craziness? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, I'm sorry <laughs> for my inability to. You shouldn't be sorry names. because honestly, it's one of my favorite parts I of the have entire a show. Actually, the I end? will tell you this. <laughs> the reason that we do letters, oh, as letters. many as we do, is because I like to watch Mel's just face as he struggles to say people's names. I have a disorder. We're looking into it. Cat scans have been done. But it's done. only during this portion of the show you can say all the other words. I have a problem. <laughs> I'm not a good reader. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Patreon's going to be so good. This Alex is going to be on Patreon. It's going to be so great. Crush Tom's car. Crush Tom's car. Crush Tom's Talking car. Tesla is a production Crush of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wilson, and Robert Rosenberg. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes and produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.